You are Locked On Wizards, your daily Washington Wizards podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's up, everyone? Ben Sander here for another edition of the Lockdown Wizards podcast. I already recorded a new podcast with Mr. Adam Rubin f- uh, from TruthAboutIt.net. You can follow Adam on Twitter at Liddell's Place. Uh, we talked w- about a whole bunch of players on the Wizards from a uh, as we did another season review, rather than just do single episodes on Thomas Sadoransky, Sheldon Mack, Trey Burke, and Brandon Jennings. We combined it all in. To one, in essence, can Tomas Sadoransky actually become the Wizards' backup point guard for next year? What kind of role is there for Sheldon, uh, for, for, for Sheldon Mack? And is it possible? Is it actually possible that either Trey Burke or Brandon Jennings could come back next season? And before you answer that, also know that uh, Adam and I went through the potential free agent point guards for the Wizards this year. I'm going to break that off into a separate podcast since Adam and I went a bit long. Um, and that will tie in nicely to some degree to that previous question about will Jennings or or, or Burke, because it's possible one of them could come back. So I'll get into that for you here right now. Of course, if you don't want to uh, miss any of the podcasts, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Audio or Audio Boom. Uh, follow us on Twitter. At Locked On Wizards, or you can hit me up at Ben Standing. Uh, I'm recording this intro during a timeout of Game Three, so if I sound uh, of the NBA Finals, so if I sound rushed, that's a little bit why. <laughs> I wanted to get this done before, uh, so I could uh, call it a night when the game ends. So finishing off this intro now. That's it. Here we go. My conversation with Mr. Adam Rubin. A fun talk about the deep Wizards uh, guard rotation and what can they do next year i welcome back to another edition of the locked on wizards podcast ben standing here we got another player review uh episode of the podcast but we're also going to get into some free agent point guards because i don't know if you heard this uh breaking news or not but the wizards need a backup point guard uh i think that's fair to say for anybody who watched the 2016-17 season that's been a topic forever and a day. It remains one for now. So we're going to talk about that with the man who has been on the podcast now a bunch of times. The man who is uh, maybe a little bit frustrated this evening because apparently his uh, his uh, his own basketball team did not have a particularly great performance. I'm sure it had nothing to do with him, though. And he's also the go-to source for all things Tomas Sadoransky, of course, Mr. Adam Rubin. Adam, how are you? Good, good. Thanks for having me tonight. I am. I'm, I'm glad. Uh, you know, I'm glad. Now that I heard that your basketball game tonight was not ideal, I'm glad that you did not bail, and you know, I'm glad you didn't like pull like a LeBron and not come to the podium to talk after uh, after that game. Well, it's the kind of game where after it's over, you don't want to make any major light decisions. Uh, you just want to let it sit and just worry about it the next day because it, it, it was that bad. It had me questioning whether I should step onto a court again. But uh, for now, I'll focus on the Wizards. Do you think any of the Wizards' backup point guards, in the way we think of them, do you think any of them would have helped the, the cause, or, or would that have just been throwing more uh, uh, fuel on the fire? 
you know, actually, I think Brandon Jennings would have been fun to be playing with. At least it would have been uh, exciting. See, I feel like this, 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 uh, with this three-on-three thing, I feel like this is where Brandon Jennings. I like. I'm not. I'm not putting him at the pasture yet. He needs to make some money and all that. But I'm just saying. I feel like this is where his life ends up. Like he could be a thing in that kind of situation. Well, I don't know if there's a minimum age for the you know the new big three league that's starting up this summer. Uh, so I think you just have to have NBA experience. So depending on how his offseason goes in free agency, uh, you might see him on a, a three-on-three court in the near future. Oh man, I mean, like I said, like you know, we 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 all spent plenty of time pointing out his flaws, but I have to think he's not ready for that quite yet. But, you know. No, I know. <laughs> All right, so so we've already had some other player reviews. I did one with uh, on Otto Porter, did one on Boyan Bogdanovich. Haven't done one, uh, and also just did one essentially on Scott Brooks with Neil Greenberg from the Washington Post. We he, Neil and I touched on a bunch of topics, went through a lot of stats, uh, Neil being the stats guy for the Washington Post. We touched on a bunch of stats and sort of showed the good and the bad of the Scott Brooks uh, season with the Wizards, but we also touched on a bunch of other topics, including March and Gortat's uh, play and how, how that could impact if he leaves and the NBA Finals and a whole bunch more. Um, so today, I just sort of mentioned this backup point guard thing. We're going to go through sort of a, a bunch of these guys to some degree. I don't think we need a, an individual podcast on Sadoransky or Sheldon Mack or Brandon Jennings or Trey Burke, but... You know, we, we, we play all nine innings to mix sports, so we're going to talk about them all here, but then we're definitely going to get into some potential free agent point guards that the Wizards could consider if they really want to look to address this situation. Um, I typically do sort of a who, what, where, when, why uh, for, for this, Adam, so at least for the moment, let's stay in that mode in this way. And this, I guess, will sort of lead us... Actually, I'll save this one for a minute. Let, let, let me go with your boy. I know we, we just get excited. Let's just get you going right off the bat. When We'll go with the when of it all, as in when did you actually fall hard for Tomas Sadoransky? You're, you're, you're the Mr. Hashtag Free Sato. Um, he's been, you know, they drafted him in 2012, but he only showed up this year. When, for you, when did you fall for Tomas Sadoransky? Well, the, the origin of the free Sato movement has its – it started with really Trey Burke, I'd say, should get the credit for that, for the, for the very, very start. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's it, – because the, the issue was – and this will tie into the, all the point guards – but the, the issue with, was in bringing in Trey Burke, who we don't have to get into. He's not a good point guard. He's, he's, he's not even a point guard. He's an undersized shooting guard, and that, that's not his fault. But he was brought in – immediately in July 3rd, I think it was a couple days into free agency when they traded for him. And it was that trade at the time people were happy about it saying, well, we gave up a second round pick. It's not really much to have a lottery guy see if we can resurrect his career. But the problem was the front office didn't bring in Trey Burke just to see if they could compete for a you know, spot in the rotation. They brought him in to be the primary backup point guard. And that's what they said in his introductory press release that he's coming in as a primary backup point guard and the front office just closed up shop and said, okay, we got our backup point guard. Let's move on. And the problem was when this preseason started and Trey Burke was playing point guard, which he's not good at, it was quickly apparent that he wasn't able to run the offense and, and things weren't going to go well, especially with Marcus Thornton in the backcourt with him. So the free set of movement was in seeing Sadoransky and seeing how he could play point guard, how he's a pure point guard. He could set up the offense. He can get the, 
especially the pick and rolls he was running in the preseason, getting guys, using angles, getting guys open shots. And you could see that he was someone, really the only guy other than Wall on the, the court. He's a true point guard. And it was a frustration in seeing Trey Burke anointed the primary backup point guard, even though he, in the three years he had been in the NBA, he had never been a serviceable backup point guard. And in fact, Utah, when they needed a point guard, when uh, they had injuries, they traded for Shelvin Mack, even though Burke was on the bench. So it was, it was the seeing what frustration was going to come if we start Washington starts the season and gives Trey Burke just anoints him in the back of point guard. It's it, it, it's not going to be pretty. And just so I started early, try to get Saturday, get some steam going, get people thinking about whether he could uh, play in right away. And I I think he showed he can be a point guard in the NBA, but. Uh, it's really those preseason games where it was just so apparent that Burke couldn't run the offense and Sadoransky could. And it was just sort of the stubbornness at that time where Burke was being given this, this backup point guard role, which he didn't deserve. And it took half a season or more for, for there to be a change. I was really expecting you to tell me that the free Sada movement in your heart, at least started in, well, I know you're a big, you're a big NBA summer league guy okay. than I am. I figured no, it was you're right. I didn't want to go that. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I didn't want to go back too deep, but yes, I, I've been to the summer league every year for the past, I think it's maybe up to 12 years now. And yes, when he first came and was playing with Vesely, Vesely wasn't playing well, but yes, when I saw him in the summer league, and you saw the athleticism, you saw his ability to finish. I mean, he was dunking in the summer league, and you saw his ability to run the floor, and at six seven, having that size. So yeah, that's why I was excited when he came and to see what he could do and that's why when I saw how well he was playing in the preseason coupled with how well he had played a few years ago you could see he's 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 ready to be a backup NBA point guard now uh, he just needed a, a, a few more minutes so yeah that you are correct if you're going to go back to when uh, the, the the full origin of the of my interest in Sadoransky uh, it would go back yeah to the summer league several several years ago yeah yeah good yeah no I'm I'm, I'm with you on that I mean ever since you know, it was weird, like, the year that they drafted him, I was doing, um, as I have often, draft profiles of these guys for um, for CSN, and, um, you know, because they had an early second-round pick, I was, you know, I, you know, I was trying to do profiles of guys both in the first round, because they had the third pick where they took Beal, and that early second-round pick, and, uh, you know, obviously, with, when they bring guys in, you, you tend to focus a little bit more on them, they brought in Sadoransky, and... So I wrote a profile on him. I think he was like the only Euro I did that year, international guy I did that year. And sure enough, they had it. Uh, so so I'm with you on that. Like, so many of his highlights early on were dunks. Um, it looked like a lot of fun. And, you know, obviously he stayed overseas and you kept watching you know, and waiting and hoping. And I've been, you know, like you, we kind of been like, all right, let's get this going. You know, I know everybody was like, hey, uh, the Wizards, you know, didn't get Draymond Green. They took this guy who's never coming over here. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the Draymond Green thing aside, uh, you know, I'm like, all right, let's go, let's go, let's go. Finally this year, they get him over here. And I'm sort of a mixed bag on the whole thing. I wasn't disappointed with Sadoransky per se. He provided, when he played, he looked like what I was expecting. He gives you a lot of size. I'm mean, 6'7 for a point guard. His passing is, is at a pretty high level, at least in terms of like his IQ of passing. He's, he always played with a lot of energy and focus. I mean, even in the playoffs, that game where Brandon Jennings got thrown out and he had to play sort of the whole fourth quarter, and it was a game where the Wizards were, 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 were fairly in control, but he came in there and kind of kept going. He, he didn't, you know, he, he looked, he, he didn't look lost. 
and all that. So I think he did pretty good, but it was frustrating that he just never quite seemed to be able to get a real role, even when you had the Marcus Norton and Trey Burke and Brandon Jennings, guys who, you know, maybe they had a moment or two, but for the most part, you know, we were all frustrated with. But I think ultimately the end result was he only shot 24% from three. Uh, his handle, I don't think, was good enough against if point guards really wanted to press up on him. And defensively, one-on-one, he, you know, going up against some of those quicker guards, I don't think he was ready. And I think even though Scott Brooks has a reputation for playing young guys, I'm not saying that he, that's not the case, I don't think he was quite ready to go to Sadoransky because otherwise it's hard to understand, like you said, he's more of a point guard than Burke and yet ultimately didn't really get that kind of run consistently to show off all those, you know, uh, potential skills. Hey guys, a quick timeout for a word from our sponsor. Yes, SeatGeek. You guys know the deal that buying tickets online for sports and concerts can be a confusing process, but SeatGeek is here and helping to change the game thanks to their amazing app and website. They're making it easier than ever for fans to buy and sell tickets. Now, I've got the SeatGeek app on my phone. Uh, when I'm thinking about going to buy tickets to a game or concert, I definitely check out the SeatGeek app. I don't personally get out to enough concerts in my life, but I'm going in uh, later in, in this month to go see U2 at FedEx Field. Excited about that. Um, my tip personal tickets came elsewhere, but our friends of ours who are trying to catch up and get tickets, they've been using the SeatGeek app and are having a lot of success figuring out what they want to do. SeatGeek does all the price comparison for you by searching multiple ticket sites and ensuring that you get the best possible deal. Uh, SeatGeek also wants to help give you the most bang for your buck, and that's why every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value. You'll immediately see any underpriced seats and be able to find the best deals that fit your budget. Now, here's the deal, of course. For my listeners, you get a $20 rebate off your first SeatGeek purchase. Here's how you do that. Download the SeatGeek app to your phone. Go to the Settings tab and click Add a Promo Code. Enter a promo code LOWizards, as in Locked on Wizards. SeatGeek will send you $20 after you made your first ticket purchase. So download the SeatGeek app, enter promo code LOWizards today. All right, back to my conversation with Adam Rubin. We're talking right now about Tomas Sadoransky. Well, yeah, there were a couple things in that first, his only NBA level skill right now is as a point guard, you know, bringing the ball up the court, setting the offense. He's not a very good shooter. So, when you play him most of his minutes as, as a spot-up shooting guard or small forward, you're negating the one thing that he could bring. And the, the one good thing is that even as a small forward, because of his IQ and ability to cut off the ball and his energy of going after uh, offensive rebounds, he was at times you know, one of the best small forward options off the bench, even though he's playing at a, at a position where he – you know, it's not where he wants to be. And, and I know you know, I'm sure, being in the locker room and talking to him, he, he was frustrated. Whenever you were talking about what position, how are you adapting to playing shooting guard or small forward, you know, he, he was frustrated. He, don't, he wants to be a point guard. That's where he wants to play. and He'll do whatever the team needs. But it's really, it was frustrating watching Trey Burke and Sadoransky be on the court together, and yet Burke was playing the point guard. Especially, and, especially not just because of what you just said about Sadoransky, but it was clear Burke shouldn't be playing the point. It's like like what, it was frustrating watching John Wall and Brandon Jennings play together because both of them should yeah. be the point. This was like this wasn't that. This was one guy should do this, one guy should do that, and yet it just didn't seem to happen. And it was kind of weird 
how, like, yeah, it was weird how that just, I don't know, just didn't go that way. Well, I I asked Fedoransky about it because he would be in there, and you could see after the basket was made, both he and Trey Brooke would both come back towards the ball to get the inbounds pass. There was no delineation of what, what the roles were. So I asked him about it, and he said, yeah, there's no, there's, there's nothing, there's no rule, there's nothing. It's just whoever gets the ball first, that is the point guard. And so it just seems strange that this is a first-year guy coming in. You're trying to develop him. I would say, listen, when he's on the court without John Wall, he's the point guard. Let him be the point guard because that's where he's going to need to develop. And, you know, I asked Jason Smith about it, too. That you could see some of my free shadow uh, roots coming out in my questioning, but about how when you're playing with Burke and Sadoranti, how do you – how does it work where you don't know who's going to bring the ball up? And I mean, you know, they're two completely different players. And he said, yeah, it's, you know, you, you never know. Like if Burke brings it up, you know, it's going to be a high pick and roll. If Sadoransky's bringing it up, then we run more sets. So it just seems strange that they didn't allow him to be the point guard in those few minutes. He was on the court with, with Trey Burke, especially knowing at that point, as I'm sure they knew that Burke wasn't going to be back, you know, the next, the next year. And Sadoransky is, but but it, I mean, I think they're in a tough get. This will get to I guess the the, the next the, the bigger question. They're in a tough situation going forward because you have Sadoransky, who I think can be the backup point guard. But there's no way to really know at this point. And the bench was so bad this year, and that's obviously the number one one of the priorities of the bench is a backup point guard. So they're sort of back into a corner where they can't say, okay, we believe Sadoransky can be the backup point guard. We're not at that point yet. That's what, you know, in the, the front office thinking. They can't say we're going to go into next season with Sadoransky as our only backup point guard. They have to go out and find someone who, who's, who could play more minutes. And I think, I think Sadoransky is going to be in the same position next year as he was this year, starting the season with another point guard who's, who has a bigger name and who is supposed to be a better and more advanced point guard. I'm guessing they're going to go out and get somebody who, who has more NBA experience. So and so you you, uh, you anticipated essentially my next question, which is the uh, where, as in where do you think Sadoransky's role ends up next season? Now I think you make a good well, point in the sense that, like personally, you always have to have three point guards on a team. I believe you always got to have three point guards, and you always have to have three players who can essentially defend the rim. These are this is just basic fundamentals of basketball. My 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 thing on Sadoransky though is, or with the with the Wizards backcourt. And I know the premise of this particular here podcast is they need a backup point guard. But I feel like we we all kind of overlooked they literally had no backup two guard last year at all. I mean, at least Brandon Jennings, for as frustrating he was, he could run the offense to some degree. They literally, when Bradley Beal came out, who was playing the two? Nobody. That's why Jennings had to. So I do kind of wonder if the Wizards only sort of have enough. They don't have a ton of money. We all kind of know this, at least at this point. Does it make more sense on some level for them to, if you had to pick a two or a one, does it make more sense to maybe get a two and have Sadoransky knowing that worst case scenario, the two guard, if they can, if that guy can play with Beal, then you just have Beal, if need be, sort of handle those point guard responsibilities on some level when Wall is at, or maybe that two guard is some sort of a combo guard, you know, that type of thing. And you kind of go at it that way with Sadoransky being the fourth guard and, and you kind of, you know, go from there. I think that, I mean, again, there's, there's so many holes on the bench that it's almost, I mean, to, to say that you need to forego a backup point guard, and I'm, I would be fine if 
they said they're going to start the season with Sadoransky as the backup point guard. But I just don't. That's me. Uh, I'm I'm someone who thinks he's good, and I just don't. Uh, I think John Wall needs somebody who can. I know what you're saying. Beal, they have no backup shooting guard, but I think you know a McClellan. Uh, I think you can get a backup shooting guard cheaper than you can get a serviceable backup point guard. And I just feel like John Wall cannot. You cannot have it where he sits down and there's no offense. They can't run an offense. So I just I feel like they have to have somebody that they feel comfortable with running an entire offense with Wall sitting down. Because I mean you've seen it in Wall's you know comments as after the season, uh, his frustration uh, with the bench. And so I think I think you need to have somebody, and it can be a combo guard, but somebody who can run the point if they're not satisfied yet with with Sadoransky. On yesterday's podcast, you and I are talking on a Tuesday night. I'm going to put this up probably on Wednesday night. But on the podcast I just recorded earlier, I talked about Frank Mason, the Kansas uh, former Kansas star, college, college player of the year. He was in for a workout with the Wizards on Monday. He could be there with a the 52nd pick if you believe uh, draft express and things like that. So hypothetically, if you take Frank Mason or somebody like that at 52 with that, now with Sadoransky, you sort of see what those guys can do, but then you have this other guard that comes in that, that maybe helps out. I'm with you in a general sense. You need to have 48 minutes of a point guard. You can maybe have 36 minutes of a real center and then have that other 12 minutes be something that's a little bit different, but you need a real point guard. But like you, like with you, I think there's upside with Sadoransky. And I, my only fear is if they go out and get, and we'll talk about some of these guys in a minute, but if you go out and spend some real money on that true backup point guard, then what happens to Sadoransky? He just sort of hangs out there. He's like, well, I guess I'm just going to sit here and watch. I'd like to see Sadar have an opportunity. He's got to make it work. He's got to improve that shot and, his, and those other areas of, uh, of those other deficiencies. But I'd like to see a path for him. And that's my only thing about saying maybe... Maybe for at least you and me, two people who are all in on Saransky, maybe for us it makes more sense for the Wizards to get a two-guard if they're going to only get one or the other and give Sato a shot to back up Wall. Well, I agree with, I believe, I would have no problem with that. I'm just going on how Brooks played it, and the fact that he kept Burke as the point guard for so long, I, I'm just guessing that he wasn't, and then played Jennings and really not Saransky at all at the point. I'm guessing he didn't feel that he was ready yet to to be the point guard. So my only thought is, if you're going to do that, Brooks has to be comfortable going into the season with with Sadoransky ready to step up and be the point guard. So if if they are, I'd be I think it's fine to then focus on a shooting guard. Um, but I you know I did I didn't see the confidence in Sadoransky. Um, and of course, listen, I, I like him, but there's things he needs to improve. The shooting obviously has to improve. So there's, there's reasons why it, that Brooks might not have been as confident in him as, as he could have been. But I think certainly Sadoransky should have been alongside Wall but instead of, instead of Brandon Jennings, uh, as could a lot of players have been. So, I mean, there, there were opportunities there, which Brooks just wasn't ready uh, to give him yet. All right. So let's get to, the why of it all. This will be about a different player. Let's get into why either one of us have hope, if we do, that Sheldon McClung is a thing next season. Because right now we're talking about, well, what else do they have to do? Who else can they bring in? They had this kid. 
who you know was in college. It was it was a big deal, relatively speaking, uh, at, at Miami. He comes into the Wizards. I think he showed when he played, which wasn't a ton, played more earlier in the year when Wall and Beal were banged up and you know kind of recovering from their various things. You know, he showed some of that bulldog, uh, bulldog, bulldog spirit, especially defensively. He could get after some people. I think at times offensively, he looked like he had some some game, but I think clearly it was a work in progress. You know, again, even with all these struggles, he was never really considered to be, he was even behind Sadoransky. But they spent an, an entire year investing in him as an undrafted free agent. Uh, he's going to go to the summer league, I assume, um, with, with Daniel Oshefu. Uh, I don't know about, well, Chris McCullough, maybe Daniel House if he comes back. So he'll have a real chance in, in summer league. But I guess ultimately we don't really quite know what to make of him. If they think he's a thing, then maybe that also changes what they are what they have to do in free agency. I assume that probably isn't the case, though. My guess is he enters the season if he's still on the team as, like, the fifth guard. But I don't know. What do you think? You think he's got – you think they're even remotely thinking about, you know what, this guy's one of our top four guards next year, and we're feeling uh, pretty good about it. Well, I – first, I like him. And for one – Main reason he's the only player on the team, even more so than Beal, who will, when he catches the ball on the perimeter, if he has any daylight, he will go straight at the rim. And to differentiate him from Ubre, he he has body control at the rim and, and adjusts. You know, he makes a lot of. He wasn't on the floor that much, but a lot of his shots reverses. Nice. Uh, he can switch hands and avoid contact in a way that you know Ubre obviously is more of a, a straight line a driver straight into charges or blocks. So he's the one guy who can give it to in transition. He'll go straight at the rim. So, I mean, I was impressed with that part of his game. Uh, I just can't imagine you could say that, that, that Mac, I'm going to go with his new legal name. Uh, I'm going to respect the name change. That Mac is the one of the four, and you're saying Sadoransky could be one of the four backcourt players. I mean, I, I just don't see them – having that level of confidence. They have to bring in someone because then you move up to, well, then where do they need to get someone? It's it, small forward, assuming they bring back Otto. They got Uber, right? And then you get to their log jam in the front court. <laughs> so by that logic, you'd say, well, uh, they have no more needs. So they, they got to fill it at least the mid-level exception somewhere. And I, I got to assume they'll, they'll do it with a, a backcourt player who they believe can come in and play, you know, the 20 to 25 minutes a game at the one of the two. Right, right, and, and and I think ultimately, I mean, I'm whatever. I, by the way, let me. It is Sheldon Mack. If I'm saying McClellan, it's only because I'm looking at a stat page and it's in my head. But yes, he said Sheldon Mack. That's his name. Uh, people always ask why didn't they change it. I think it's simply he started the year that way with the NBA, with you know jerseys and legal reasons and whatever else. That change will happen this year. So wait for that. But uh, but I'm with you. I don't think you can go into the season, especially if Sadoransky is also part of it. And say, okay, Sato and 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 uh, Sheldon Mack are two of our top four, even top five guys, uh, because that's a lot of uncertainty. I mean, I guess if you yeah. for sure, like you know, make up a name, Patty Mills, Jody Meeks was a guy I talked about in the last podcast. If you feel really good about the third guy, then maybe you could say, hey, you know what, McClellan can be our backup, our fourth, you know, between McClellan and Sato, that can be our four or five guard. Maybe, but that third guard better be freaking solid. Can't be what we what we just saw this year. Uh, so th- that, but but I don't know. Yeah, well, who knows if they can even afford that or how that would work. But as it stands now, 
Um, you know, I mean, look, I, I think they that fact that they invested the year in him, that to me is as much as important as anything. You kept this guy around for an entire season. You know, you went through that. That it, we may, you know, People may look at it as, well, he didn't do that much or he didn't make much money. Don't discount that investment in time. I mean, pl- young players do get cut. This happens all the time. But they had three guys essentially at the end of the bench all year. They kept for a reason, even though they weren't playing them. You have to believe that they were thinking, we think this guy's got a hope for the future. The question is, do they think that future is next year? And I believe that July 1st, I believe, I guess maybe it's partially guaranteed July 1st. I, I think for Ashefu and and Mac, so I guess we might get some indication then. But if, it, if the guarantee is small enough, it, they won't, they'll, they'll still do the guarantee. It's sort of like a just a paying them through the, through training camp. So, I mean, it might not be that big of a deal, but you saw it with Jarrell Eddy last year where they, they sort of brought him through to summer league. And then when they needed the other position, they, they cut him. So I don't know. I, I agree with you that I think Mac is a step ahead of like where Jarrell Eddy was on the, the, the tier of, I think of their development. So I think they look at him as, as someone who would be staying around and they could get the minutes. Same with McCullough, I guess. I mean, it sounds like he's, he's intriguing from what you, uh, what we see of him, but I think you know they. It's just that with that bench, they they need to have guys who are ready to step in. I mean, you're looking at a, a point. Uh, you know, John Wall, who's not happy uh, with with the bench production. You need to look ahead to his contract as well and making sure he's happy. And I think they're they're going to definitely have to bring in. Like I know you mentioned Jody Meeks, but there's other guys depending on what they're salary slots are going to be, uh, I guess they'd have the mid-level exception, but like, if, I guess Patty Mills would be beyond that, but he'd obviously be a great fit, but I'm guessing he'll get more money than Washington can afford. Uh, yeah, and, and we'll, we'll get to, to him in just one sec here on the Lockdown Wizards podcast. Uh, ben standing here along with Mr. Adam Rubin from truthaboutit.net. I don't know if I said that earlier, but I, you know, I just assume that everybody knows that you are that guy. You were, especially now that Kyle uh, uh, moved up uh, I-95, I feel like you took on a much larger role. You're showing up for more games. You're coming to the occasional practices and uh, media veils and all that stuff. So I feel like people should know that you're like the, I wouldn't say there's a coup going on over there, but I feel like you're taking on more, you're taking on more duties and responsibilities. And I think that's uh, important for people to realize. It really sounds like you're trying to just drive a wedge in, into our uh, no, into our I, not at all. I, I like what you guys do over there. I have, I think I've now had on what four of you guys. I think I like what you guys do, but that's I, 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 I told you I want to see. I'm so I'm, I'm legitimately mad. Two years in a row now, I've asked you guys. I want to see the record with the different combinations of truth about it, guys at games. What's the what? Where are the Wizards? What's their best record? When it's you know Adam and uh, Rashad, is that the best combo? Are they zero and twelve when it's Adam McGinnis and anybody else? These are the things that I'm curious about. This is how much I think about you guys, and you guys continually well, let me down on this. I, I'm not going to lie; that's it's disappointing. I put the request in. Kyle has dropped the ball, so I have to yell at him. That's his his area. All right, I'll yell at him. And by the way, if I didn't say Adam, follow Adam on Twitter at Liddell's Place, as in Liddell Eccles, L E D E L L S Place on Twitter. Um, all right, let's get to this. Please don't everybody yell at me in advance when I throw this out here, but we got we to gotta, we gotta talk about these guys, so here we go. Let's get to the what of it all. 
what would drive you crazier if Trey Burke returns or Brandon Jennings is back? And- well, that, this is an easy one for me. No question, Trey Burke. Uh, you know, because you're talking about playing him at point guard versus playing Brandon Jennings at point guard. Uh, that, that's, that's a no-brainer for me. I, I, like, I like watching Brandon Jennings play. It's frustrating when he's alongside John Wall, of course, but when he's running the offense, uh, aside from that shot, which I don't know what happened to it, uh, you know, he, he can pick up assists. I like that he covers guys full court. I like that he gets under people's skin. You know, Washington doesn't really have players like that. Uh, so, yeah, I'd go Brandon Jennings over Trey Burke uh, any day. Deal gets open for three. Dagger! Long drive, long shot. Dagger! 